It is essential to hear God in the noise and confusion of this time. Otherwise, you are sure to be deceived. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Solon as we explore the revelation of God in this season. The scheme of the enemy is particularly clever, you'd have to admit. In healing his mortal wound, he has found that removing the threat of Christ and what Christ accomplished on the cross, removing that threat is his way to reboot. That's why he's willing. The enemy understands. He's willing to give a place to the church. He is. In the modern period, we see witless characters, ostensibly church leaders or leaders of groups that pretend to speak for the people of God collectively, arguing that we need, quote, a seat at the political table. Let's understand that that is to concede the power that is designed to defeat the enemy, to concede it and to bow down to the enemy. It is to do what Jesus absolutely rejected when it was offered to him. There the enemy said to him, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Well, what was he talking about? He was clearly speaking about the systems of the cosmos and the the enemy revealed the scheme to him, how he was in charge around here because he said, because they're mine to give. Of course they were his to give because those, those kingdoms are the cosmos, the systems by which he has entrapped the souls of men in their frantic desire to provide for themselves and to protect themselves. That's what these systems do. And in his humanity, when Jesus appeared, or when when Christ appeared in the flesh of Jesus of Nazareth, Satan thought that he was just another man. even if he's the Son of God, like Adam was the Son of God, it would work against him the same as it worked against Adam. That's what he was offering. So, to heal the mortal wound, (laughs) to heal the mortal wound, Satan's repeated scheme is to offer a seat at the political table. I wish I could tell you how many people I have personally known, including national figures with whom I've had conversation in the evangelical church, who have told me, even at the beginning of this movement into politics, by the evangelical church through its leaders. 
I wish I could tell you how many of these leaders I've either personally spoken to or know from what they have said on television and in public print, public media, how many times I've heard the phrase, a seat at the political table. Look, I, I don't know how to make it plainer. If there is a way to make it plainer, it escapes me. The enemy fears the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, but he has no fear of a compromised gospel. And a compromised gospel is a political gospel. I have derisively referred to the present evangelical church as, a, as creating and publishing a Republican Jesus. Let us understand, a Republican Jesus is no threat to Satan. How many times have I said in the years that have, in recent years, how many times have I said that when the Trump administration is finished, the greatest casualty of it will be the irreparable harm to the evangelical gospel? I don't, I don't really care about the political outcomes of any administration. I care solely about the preservation of and the integrity of the truth because it is what God keeps advancing in the earth. Now, no foolish leadership, no, no amount of deception and the conniving of, of, of leadership will ever blunt the gospel. It will keep on in its pure and pristine form and ultimately those, who are, those in whom this gospel has become incarnate, the form of which will be a mature church, will crush the head of the serpent. But for now, with the harlot church, a compromised gospel and false prophets leading the church, people who have said, God has said. I mean, how many of these idiots have said, God told them the outcome of the last election and they were dead wrong. And yet, the people allow them to reboot their ministries. Listen, when you are deceived again, not if, but when you are deceived again, you will have no one to blame but yourself. And eventually, you won't know the difference between the true gospel and the one you're imbibing as a deceived person. This is where we are. This is where we are. I've watched these apologists. I watched one as recently, uh, well, 
I, I see, they seem to pop up every day. Um, they were on this show from this fellow Baker who had been discredited a long time ago. Um, but one of, the, one of the brand name prophets from North Carolina talking about how the church is under attack. And, and he right away conflated the church and white evangelical Christians um, and, and the political happenings in the nation, immediately conflated them, oblivious to the fact that the kingdom of God is comprised of spirit beings not people defined by their skin colors, but in the soberest of tones, this marquee prophet kept insisting that the church is, that the culture of the church is under attack. No, what he means is white Republican evangelical culture is under attack. But they've conflated the two because and here is my point, this is the reason that I'm so um, determined to convey this point. This is the sound of a compromised church. This is the sound of prophets who are prophesying falsehoods and the people are loving it so, but they do not understand they do not understand that what is lost in the process is that which truly can oppose the beast as it's coming forward. Anytime you are part of the governing systems of this world, you are useless to the kingdom of God. In fact, you are already opposed to the kingdom of God. The problem is that these fellows are the present day practitioners of what Constantine did and those church fathers, how they accepted the power of the state and supplanted the power of the Spirit. It is similarly what Charlemagne did and those church fathers accepted and it led the church into what then became to be the Crusades, political, war made, uh, war made through politics ostensibly for the advancement of the Kingdom of God. No, Satan is, Satan is more intelligent than that. Any kingdom divided against itself cannot stand and Satan will not permit anything to divide his kingdom. That's why he rules over it to begin with. So whatever you think the activities of a politicized church are in terms of advancing the kingdom, it doesn't. It doesn't. 
So the promise to end abortion, the promise to, uh, to overturn Supreme Court rulings with respect to homosexuality, the promise to restore prayer in public school, if all those promises were kept, in as much as they came from a political system, it would, be, it would have no effect in advancing the kingdom of God. This is how deeply deceived the present leadership is. You, you understand, Satan gives up nothing that advances the kingdom of God. And once you are in bed with political leadership, that is the ancient scheme. It's a scheme of building a tower, which is a political act. It's about, it's about civilization, it's about how a people are ruled. Once you're in that, you cannot also change it. If you're in the kingdom of darkness, it has a ruler and it will insist on ruling you. Whatever it gives you. Look, did it not promise Jesus rule over those systems? Did Satan not say to Jesus, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of the world because they are mine to give. What is the difference if politicians over a secular state offer the church whatever foreign policy initiatives the state may undertake in regards to Israel? What is the difference? What is the difference if the secular rulers promise the church overturning Roe versus Wade? What is the difference if they restore prayer to public school? None of it's going to happen, so it's an empty promise anyway. It's typical of Satan to offer empty promises because he's a liar, but even if he granted them, you're still worshiping that because that's where your power comes from and eventually it will not threaten the kingdom that you've gone to for empowerment supposedly to do the things of God. I am astonished at the darkness of the thinking of the present leadership of the church and it doesn't understand that it is incapable of opposing the beast. Anything you do by the permission of the beast poses no threat whatsoever to it. Not, it never has, it never will. All it does, it produces a prostitute, it produces a harlot out of what used to be conflated with the bride. But I want to go on. The mortal wound was healed and what happened? Last part of verse 3, all the world marveled and followed the beast. All of it marveled and it followed the beast. 
So they worship the dragon. Who's the dragon? That ancient serpent called the devil and Satan. They worship Satan who gave authority to the beast. If you get anything by way of power from the beast, you end up worshiping Satan. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? In other words, they stand and look and they say, it's too much. We, it's too much. It's too, it's too big for us. We can't overcome the beast. It's too controlling. It's too everything else. The evangelical church does not know how deeply departed from the truth they came to be when they became an extension of the Republican Party. The high ground, the moral high ground that it once claimed to have has been entirely lost. Now the secular regards that which thought itself to be holy as common and we have the leaders to thank for that. When the highest levels of church leadership behave in the same disgustingly immoral way that the political leaders do, there's no distinction between them. Now fit the names into that puzzle that I've just shown you. That's why the mortal wound was healed and that's why the result was that the people thought these systems, this way of doing things is invincible. It's not the political leader, leadership that opposes the church that you should be worried about. It's the one that throws its arms open to welcome a prostitute into his embrace. That's the one you have to worry about. That is what has happened and it's never going to go back to an unsullied state. These leaders will continue to embarrass themselves, they'll continue to lose what shred of credibility they have, they'll continue to be folded into secondary things. You'll see now ministries for feeding the poor, you'll see a social gospel fully embraced as these leaders attempt to reinvent themselves. You'll see former prophets, high-flying individuals. In order to keep the show going, they'll start distributing food so they can look good to the people.
It's where they go to rehabilitate shattered images created by false assumptions. You'll see it everywhere. And, and it, because their hope is to maintain some level of, of distinction and they will find things that the world agrees are good things to do. But as to advancing the Kingdom of God, it's not going to happen, not through them. God already has selected and has been nurturing a leadership and a people. Many of the people are yet among the followers of these disgraced leaders, some of whose disgrace is well known, others are like a slow rot creeping through what they're doing. But we'll begin to see first a trickle and then a flood of God's people out of these things and into the thing God has prepared for such a time as this. That's what we're going to see. As the story unpacks, it says, All the world marveled at the beast, so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority and so on. They said, who is like him? He was given a mouth. So here's how the uptick goes in this present time, in the vacuum of credible leadership in the evangelical church. By the way, a few days ago I was having a conversation with a fellow who is very much in touch with many of these leaders who are scratching their heads, <clears throat> scrambling, trying to reboot. And uh, uh, I, was, I was just having a conversation with him about where they are. And they're still trying to decide what went wrong. And the main incentive for deciding what went wrong is how do we fix it or how do we at least appear to address it so we could keep going. In this time when there are no voices speaking credibly for the body of Christ, at least not on a public stage, I ask you this, who, who, who has credibility in either the Roman church, the evangelical church, or any church group for that matter? Who has credibility to a nation? Who has credibility in the world? Nobody does. Nobody does. So here's what's happening. This is what's going to happen next. This beast was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. You notice that? It's speaking great things and blasphemies. So half-truths and blasphemous things. It's the perfect cover of blasphemy is also to be speaking great things. Behold, a time of deception 
has come. Has come. In the vacuum that is resulting, blasphemies and great things will be spoken interchangeably. And guess what? This bunch is not going to get it. Now, what is a what is a a blasphemy that is being spoken now? Well, anything anything labeled QAnon. Pure blasphemy. But what are the great things that are appealing to people? Nationalism. Patriotism. Make America great again. Keeping what you got. Protecting home, neighborhoods, and the rest of it. Great things and blasphemies mixed up as one. But it's just the beginning. Nothing like what it's going to become. Because this is a church in free fall. As I have said, I mean, even the local guys are caught up in defying COVID rules as their banner, marching orders, and the banner under which they're fighting. Great things and blasphemies are being said all in one breath. It makes it such that the sound that comes from the beast blends nicely with the current condition of a church that has gone deaf. He, this beast, was given a mouth and the mouth spoke great things and blasphemies and was given authority to continue for 42 months. So it will continue for, for a time. 42 months relates to the time that Jesus, from the time of His baptism by John to His, to his ascension, He was on the earth for 42 months. From the time of his baptism by John until his ascension, his ministry spanned 42 months. He himself lived for 33 and a half years. So there's a connection here. It's a, it's a divine mimic, so to speak. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme His name, His tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. So the target is to blaspheme the name of God, speak blasphemies against God in the fashion of blaspheming His name, his tabernacle, his dwelling place, that would be the body of Christ, and those who dwell, who dwell in heaven. 
Now, let me just say this and now conclude this. Verse 8 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship Him. So there are those who dwell in heaven who are the tabernacle of God against whom the enemy is making war and there are those who dwell on the earth who will worship the beast. I want to distinguish those two in the next broadcast. I'm Sam Solon and I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you.